I love going to places where I don't feel clicks. I was saying to pastor's wife this morning, I don't do clicks. And a lot of places we go around the world, we're thrown into different um, situations where it's sad, but in some Christian circles, you do feel clicks. And you're very, you should feel very grateful that you belong to a church where I don't feel that or see that amongst you women. And that is something, you can all give yourself a round of applause for that. <clears throat> I, I don't believe in Christian circles we should have cliques, and women can uh, tend to be more clicky than men, and um, I just, it's so refreshing when you can be around an atmosphere of women where everyone feels equal, everyone feels welcome and accepted no matter where they've come from in life or what's going on in their life at that time. Well, that was a great meal. How many of you agree with that? And it was healthy. <laughs> I always find it fascinating um, when a new year rolls around, like 2016. A new year rolls around, we've gone through Christmas, and then all of a sudden everyone's on a fast. You know, we have the three-day fast, the liquid fast, the, the Daniel fast, the paleo fast. I don't know what they all are. We have the liquid fast. Um, my favorite is the seafood fast, where I see food and I eat it fast. So <laughs> that's about the only fast I'm really good at. <laughs> but, you know, fasting is really what we're doing is removing the toxins from our body. And, and it's a, a time of purification. And we do that in the physical, but how many of you know that from the moment we're born and we take our first breath, we're breathing in, we come into a toxic world, a world full of sin, a world full of abuses, a world full of failures, a world full of challenges, a world full of storms. And you know, God wants to take us through that purifying process as well, spiritually and emotionally in our, emotionally in our lives. And and the same way we go through purifying our physical body, God wants to purify us. And the way he does that is to put us through more challenges and more storms and tests. You know, when we look at gold or jewelry, I love jewelry, and I buy a lot of costume jewelry, but really... When you buy costume jewelry, it doesn't stand the test of time. After a while, when you wear it, it just gets tarnished, it looks dull, and it doesn't stand up. There's nothing valuable with, with costume jewelry. Um, when you're finished with it, it really goes in the garbage because it's tarnished. But when you have real fine metals like gold or silver that have been tested, they've been put through the fire, they've been purified, you know, they can stand the test of time, and hundreds of years later, their value, be it increases. It's worth more. And, you know, when you look at gold in its raw state or silver, it's like mud. It's ugly. There, it, you know, no one would even look at it. It's unrefined. And when we come to Christ, we look like that piece of gold. We're crude. We're not attractive. And then Christ puts us through that purifying process. He turns the heat up. And he wants to make us into vessels. And, you know, I'm here to talk about the refined women of God. And, and, you know, I think there's a desire in every single woman from the time you're little. I think we all inside of us, there's, there's this desire to be the best we can possibly be. Amen. But life happens and failures come along and challenges come along and we feel beat up by life. And we don't feel that valuable sometimes, but really when we allow God to, when we submit to him, he makes something beautiful out of each one of us. So I'm here to talk about the refined women. Now, 
uh, being, becoming a refined woman of God. Now, I have a little poem here. What is the beauty of a woman? Now, I'm short, so if you can't see me, I'll pop out. It's not a puppet show. You know? <laughs> I'll pop out every now and, now and then. The beauty of a woman, it says, it's not in the clothes she wears. You know, in our culture, we believe it's our clothes, it's our outward. And there's a lot of pressure on women to be attractive on the outside. But that's not the true beauty of a woman. It's not in the clothes she wears. It's not in her shapely figure or how she combs her hair. The beauty of a woman is seen from her eyes. It's the doorway of her heart where love resides. The beauty of a woman is reflected in her soul and in the passion she shows. The beauty of a woman is not what she says, but how she says it. The beauty of a woman is in the care and genuine love she gives that keeps growing through time from the depths of her soul. How many of you have met a very attractive woman and you think she's beautiful? And then you get closer to her and she opens her mouth and she's so crude. <laughs> It's so disappointing. It's so disappointing when you meet someone like that. Um, you know, and really, then you meet other people, and maybe they don't have the fanciest clothes, or maybe uh, they don't maybe look like that attractive woman might look like. You know, they might have a lot of flaws, but when they open their mouth, there's this purity that comes out in them. And they're so classy on the inside, and it's like you're drawn to them, and you feel comfortable sitting beside them because they make you feel comfortable. And sometimes you can sit by that attractive woman who has the most beautiful clothes, and you just feel intimidation, and like you, you don't feel like you measure up. She doesn't, she doesn't, there's no vibes that make you feel loved and accepted. And so I think it's important, especially as women of God, that we don't just work on the outside. We work on the inside as well to be beautiful and refe reflect the glory of God. Amen? Amen. So when we're little kids, right away, we start to experience a toxic world. And many of us go through abuses. You know, it starts right out in the daycare. You can be there and think life is grand, and all of a sudden a little kid comes and steals your toy or bites you on the arm, you know. And, and you start right from the ground up feeling abuses from this world and feeling beat up by life. But um, want a girl first? But all these clothes were little blue clothes. Boxes of baby boy clothes came in from some women. And I was in my, my old bedroom at my parents' house, and I looked at these clothes, and I was folding them. And they were so adorable. And all I said, I didn't feel lightning bolts. I said, God, if you're really up there, prove it to me. Please prove that you're real. I want a normal, healthy baby boy. Not even thinking God would answer my prayer. And time went on, and I gave birth to this beautiful, healthy baby boy. And in fact, he never even had a cold till he was two years old. Amen. He was so perfect. And I remember crying on the delivery table like, God, you are real. But you know, I still wasn't at the end of myself. I wasn't ready to give in to God. And, and I would go to parties, and I remember taking him in his little car seat, and one night I had been drinking, and um, I got in the truck with a bunch of friends, and I dropped him out of his car seat, and he hit his head. And I was like, God, it tore my heart out. What kind of mother am I? And one night, my parents, I was living on welfare in Canada. We had welfare, mother's allowance. 
in this little attic apartment all by myself with this little boy. And um, my father called and he said, you know, there's, there's a Christian businessman's dinner. There's going to be a speaker there tonight. Would you like to go to the dinner? And I thought, wow, is it a buffet? And he said, yeah. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm on welfare. A free dinner always works for me. You know, I was counting my pennies every day. So I went to this dinner with my parents and the speaker spoke and again, I felt nothing. It came down to a point of a decision. I didn't want to live like that. And I just, when they gave the altar call, I felt nothing. I went, I made a decision to come to Christ and I went forward. And the next day I was in my apartment and a bunch of friends came over with a case of beer and some stuff. And, and they said, um, they, they opened a beer and they handed it to me. And, and um, all of a sudden I said, oh, no, thank you. And I passed it back. And the one guy said, what happened to you? You turned religious? And out of my mouth without even realizing it, I went, yeah. And they packed up the beer and everything. They left and to this day. I've never seen them again. <laughs> You know, life is a journey, but, you know, there were, there were trials. There were trials, and, and there were things I had to fight because I came from a family that looked perfect. Now I was the tainted one. I felt like the black sheep. I felt like God couldn't use me. I wasn't as good as the rest of my family. My brother went to Bible college, became a pastor. What could God do with me? But, you know, in God's economy, he doesn't waste anything. And I want to say that... That whole experience, as I said, totally purified my parents, the judgment they had, and, and it purified them. And they, they've been vessels of just loving people and accepting people where they're at. And they're not judgmental and they're not full of pride. It changed the course of their ministry. And so whatever, I don't, I'm looking at a group of ladies here and some of you today some of you are at that place where you're that crude gold, where you just come to Christ maybe. And, and your life seems very crude, and there's a lot of impurities. There might be others of you that have gone through, you know, a certain amount of storms and heat, and you're on the journey of being processed. And there's others of you who have been tested and tested and tested and tested. You're not 14 karat gold, you're 24 karat gold. Because you can go through a storm and test now, and you know that at the end of it, you just know that you know that you know your storm has an expiry date. You know that you know that you know God's got your back. You know that you know that you know that at the end of it, He will work all things together for your good. And you know there's a purpose in it and a plan, and you just trust Him. And you don't come out at the end bitter, but you come out better. Yes. And all of you are on a different journey. And then when I came to Christ, I thought, wow, life is going to be great. I was so excited because I thought, you know, I'm not going to have problems anymore. <laughs> so I accepted Christ thinking, wow, now I'm going to walk in freedom. It's going to be good. And I was so excited. And I had this little baby. And I ended up going to this little church I, I didn't know anything about. And there was a trap set for me there by the enemy. And I had a need, and this, this 
boy there, this young man, he saw that need, and he knew how to take advantage of my need. He would bring baby formula, diapers, all kinds of things that I need. If I needed a ride to the doctor to get my baby immunizations, he would have the car because I didn't have a car. But then he started twisting scripture and, and taking advantage of me, taking advantage of my vulnerability, prophesying to me that I'm supposed to be his wife. And I had no love in my heart for him. And he even had forced himself upon me. So now I am a young girl already with a bad reputation, taken advantage of, and I can't tell anyone. And I ended up within a, just a few short months, you know, the scriptures were twisted and everything. I ended up in an abusive relationship. And now I felt like Joseph, Joseph in the prison. I'm in the prison. I'm in the pit. And I wasn't trying to do anything wrong. You know, Joseph could have escaped the prison if he would have given in to the temptation. He could have escaped prison by giving in to temptation. But because Joseph did the right thing and he resisted Potiphar's wife, he was thrown in prison. That's pretty hard, you know. Uh, that's, that's like, God, why would you allow that when I'm trying to do the right thing and now I end up in prison? But for 15 years, I was serving God in church. I was giving him my whole heart. I was trying to do my best. But all those years, I was saying, God, now I'm going to be honest. Okay, can I be real transparent? I was praying either I would die or he would die because the only way out was death. So every day, I either lived with suicidal thoughts or I would hope when he came, when he would go fishing or on a, a road trip that I would get a call that he didn't make it. You know, sometimes even with my husband now, you know, you just want to kill him. No. <laughs> in the right way. In the right way. I'm very fortunate to have a good husband. But, you know, I used to say, God, I thought if we ask you for bread, you wouldn't give us a stone. Or if we ask you for fish, you wouldn't give us a stone. How did I end up with this? How? And I, I honestly thought God was punishing me for my past. I had a lot of thoughts that God was punishing me. And one day after serving in my church 15 years down the road, and this is to make a long story short, I'm not going to go into all the details, but God put a call in my heart to go and minister in Haiti to the Haitian people. And I remember I, was, I had had nervous breakdowns. I was living on medication. And I said to God, how can I, God? These are the most hopeless people in the Western Hemisphere. How can, how can I minister to them? And I heard God say, because you know what it feels like. Amen. You know, you can read everything from a book. But unless you've gone to the pit yourself and you know what hopeless feels like, you know what it feels like. You can't be as effective. And it was when Joseph was in the prison, God was preparing him all that time for promotion. He was preparing him for promotion. God was preparing me and equipping me for promotion. And when I went to Haiti to minister to those people, I didn't go like I was somebody. I didn't go like I was the missionary. I went like I was equal, like I was their friend. 
And I could sit, and when they were hopeless, I could sit in a mud hut on a dirt floor with an elderly woman who hadn't showered for weeks because there's no water. And she had no teeth. She could, have, she could be filthy. And I could put my arm around her and feel like she's my best friend. And we could cry together. We could cry together. And as I gave her hope, she would give me hope. And we were like this. And in ministry, God doesn't like this. He likes this. Jesus came down to the level of the woman at the well. He came down to the level of the prostitute. He came underneath and picked them up. He didn't come from up here and speak down to them. He came here and picked them up. He picks us up out of the miry clay. And you know, God's taken me on a journey in my life. My life has touched on a lot of things. You know, I did walk through divorce. And a lot of people would judge you for that. Well, I can't help my journey. And you have to learn to be able to love yourself enough and forgive yourself enough and know that it doesn't matter what anybody else says of you. You know your journey. You know your walk with God. You know your walk with God. And God allows us to go through certain processes for the people groups he's going to take us to to minister to. My brother has pastored very nice churches, and I'm very proud of him. But my brother has never, God has never taken him on a journey around the world. Little did I know God would take me on a journey around the world to be able to speak into the most darkest, hopeless places because that's what people need. I love to speak hope into the dark places. You know, I don't do well on really fancy stages, to be honest. Um, I do well in the pits. I do well. When, if you want to see me come alive, you put me in the worst pit, the ghettos. My husband, he came out of the ghetto. He never wants to go back. I said, well, I love the ghettos, you know. <laughs> so he's like, I'm trying to stay out, and you're trying to drag me there, you know. But I love, I love where, where it's so dark that the simplest things of, of showing God's love just bring light to those places. And wherever you're at, God is taking you on a journey. He's taking you through that, that fiery furnace to, to remove the impurities of your life. He wants you to be toxic free. He says in Isaiah 48.10, See, I have refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. You know, I have no regrets for the things I've walked through. Because if I wouldn't have walked through those things and being in ministry, I honestly, I know the places we've gone, I would get caught up in those cliques. I would, I would probably be a very prideful, selfish, haughty woman. I would probably want all the name brand things and put my value in those things. But those things are nice, but they mean nothing. They mean nothing. I don't care who I sit beside. I don't, I, don't need to, I don't need to be raised up to go into some of the places we go. I'm just as happy in a mud hut with a crippled up woman. My friends are everywhere. I don't just have a clique of friends. I see everyone as beautiful. There's a beautiful, there's beauty in everyone. And we need to appreciate each other. We need to appreciate each other's journey. And we live in a world where a lot of places we go, you know, they give you scripture and everything, but we don't really hear the transparency of people's hearts. It's like, if I ask you how you're doing today, 
you know, the common answer in our culture is, oh, I'm good, thanks be to God. But, you know, if you start telling them all the junk you're going through, they don't want to hear it. Well, then don't ask. The Bible says bear one another's burdens. We're supposed to bear each other's burdens. When I'm weak, you're supposed to be strong for me. And it doesn't mean you're not a woman of faith. It doesn't mean you lack faith or you're not a woman of God. It means we, are, we aren't proud enough. We, we need each other. We're a body and we need each other. Amen? Amen. No matter what you go through in life, it doesn't matter what you go through in life, I'm checking my time here because <laughs> I set my timer. It doesn't matter what you go through in life. God has a way of restoring what the locusts have eaten. He has a way. He's the only one. You know, you can lose money. You can lose everything, all your worldly goods, and you can get that back again. One thing you can't get back is time. But God is the only one who can step back in your past and redeem the time, and bring the time up to speed. It doesn't matter what you've lost. It doesn't matter how many years of your life you feel you've wasted. God can step back in time and bring it up to speed. I have a friend, and she's been tried by fire. She's a friend who's been tried by fire. And I can honestly say she's someone I can look to, and I can say she is pure gold. When she was young, she, um, when she, she's about my age. When she was very young, she was married. She got tempted. I don't know all the reasons or the whole situation, but she ended up committing adultery, and she fell into that pit. Always, you know, that's a horrible, horrible thing, a horrible failure to live with. And after she did that, she lost her husband, she was left with the kids. He just walked out on her. She was left with children. And for 25 years, she beat herself up inside. I'm sure those thoughts just kept coming to her. 25 years, she just worked at serving God, serving God, serving God. She served God in her church. She served God in her community. She worked two and three jobs. She struggled just to put food on the table. 25 years of her life, just struggled but had to depend on God. He was our only source because a lot of people were judgmental. They weren't there for her. You know, you got yourself into this mess, you can get yourself out. A lot of people have that attitude. So she was kind of left on her own a lot with these children and had to struggle, but tried to delight herself in the Lord. 25 years of struggle, 25 years in the pit, probably feeling like I had felt, like God was judging her sometimes, not understanding, you know, why this journey had to be so long. And several years ago, I got a message from her, and she said, you'll never guess what. And I messaged her back, and she said, God has brought the most godly, loving man into my life. He's a widow, and he's asked me to marry him. And they got married, and it was just, it was awesome. It was just awesome. They were having an awesome relationship. And 10, mi 10 months into their marriage, he was struck with cancer. So she's on the mountain, now she's in the valley. The Bible says we go from victory to victory. What's in between the victory? A lot of storms and challenges. And now she's in the valley. 
And two months later, he passes away. And now, she waited 25 years. She found the man of her dreams who loved God and loved her. And after, 10, after that first year, he passes away. And I remember we went to a church to sing where she was going, or to minister where she was going to be there. And um, Alvin didn't know her, but when he looked in the crowd, he saw this woman just worshiping God and her, she was literally glowing. She was just glowing. And I saw it too. And because I knew the situation, I'm like, oh God, what am I going to say to her after? What am I going to say to her? What am I, how, how do I even, uh, you know, what am I going to say? And so after service, I went and we talked to her and she said, I, I said, I don't even know what to say. And I'm going to call her Linda just to keep her name private, but I'm going to call her Linda. And, and um, she said, you know, it, it's okay. And she had this glow on her face. She said, it's okay. She said, I don't understand it. But she said, you know, I struggled for 25 years. And it was a journey and it felt like prison. But she said, you know, God redeemed the time. I don't know how God do, does this, but in the 10 months he was healthy, my husband, he gave me 25 years of love in 10 months. My heart is so full, she said. I don't feel lonely. I don't feel like God ever rejected me. I don't feel like God ever abandoned me. I feel like God loves me more than anything. I, my heart is full. I miss my husband, but, you know, he really loved God, and, and in the end, he really wanted to go to heaven. He got his promotion. And she said, I don't know where my journey is going. I just know my heart is so full. My heart is so full, and I've never known more than now how much God loves me. And my heart is just bursting with God's love. You know, it was several months after that when... The funeral was over. All the paperwork was done. And my sister knows her very well. And my sister said, you know what happened to her? And I said, what? And she said, you know, her, her husband, her deceased husband, he had children. And the children were all grown up. They've had good educations, good jobs. And the children came to her and said, Linda, you know, we saw how much our dad loved you. We know your struggle. We know your journey. And he loved you so much. And you've really been good to us. We're young. We've had good educations. We've got good jobs. We have a whole life ahead of us. And we've decided that we want to leave all of our inheritance to you because our Father would want us to look after you the rest of your life. Your storm, whatever you're walking through, has an expiry date. Your storm has an expiry date. In God's economy, he doesn't waste anything. The only thing you have to do is hang on and let him purify you. Job went through a purification time. He said, when he has tried me, he knows the way I take. He knows the way I take. And when he has tried me, I will come forth as pure gold. God knows the journey you're on. Only God knows where you're going. Only God can take those things you're going through and make beauty out of those ashes. The only thing you can't do is become bitter. 
Oh, you can feel bitter some days. It's okay. You can go through the grief process and feel anger or bitter for those moments. You know, there were people in the Bible that got bitter, but they didn't stay there. That's the key. You can't stay in your bitterness. You can't stay in your anger. It's a process. That, that, those impurities have to, have to be exposed and come out of you. You can't keep them in. And God has every one of you on a journey. And he knows the way you take. And he's purifying each and every one of you. You're a beautiful group of women. I see so much value in this place. I see so much gold and so much silver and so many precious metals here that God wants to make vessels out of each one of you. He wants to make vessels out of each one of you. Some of you might feel that you're in that prison moment today. And I want to just tell you, God hasn't forsaken you. I never thought my prison moment would end. I remember calling out to God. I remember going to marriage seminars, knowing how to look like I had a smile on my face when I was in that abuse. Knowing, because I was a pastor's daughter, I knew how to act. I knew how to walk the walk and talk the talk. And I would go to marriage seminars, and I remember one was called How to Put the Spark Back in Your Marriage, and they gave us a book. And I went home, and I was so upset, I threw it across the room. I said, how do I even put a spark when there never was a spark there in the first place, God? How do you want me to do this? You know, I I was a big mess. (laughs) Still am. But, you know, that's okay. But I just want to, you know, we have these feelings, and we don't talk about it. We just carry them on the inside and we feel beat up. We feel like we're no good. We feel like we're different than anybody else. But you know, I delighted myself in the Lord and I kept delighting in him. I remember saying to someone once, I will never know what it's like to be in a marriage where someone loves me so much, where I can have a husband's arm around me and know that he loves me. I'll never know that. I was talking to a friend. I said, I'll never know that. I'll never know what that is. I'll miss out on that the rest of my life. And I wasn't the one who took myself out of the prison. God took me out. And I have, you know, my husband has a big, strong chest. I have a lot of burdens to throw on there, you know, and he can handle it. But, you know, it's so comforting. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, I promise you, I don't know where God's taking you. I don't know what you're going through. But hang on to him in the midst of your prison because there is an expiry date. And God knows the expiry date. And your journey will be much different than mine. But just give it all to him. Just trust him. One other story I want to share, how God had to prove himself that he will make all things together for our good. At 16 years old, one of my daughters, she'd been having panic attacks. And she came home from school one day at 16, and she laid down. She felt like she had the stomach flu. And she just didn't feel good. She had a headache. She laid down. One day turned into the next. And the next day. And I kept thinking, well, it's just, you know, a bug. It'll be gone in a few days. And... Day after day, she couldn't get up. I had to take her to the washroom. She couldn't stand up. And she was bedridden. She couldn't even get out of bed without help for weeks and weeks. 
And that whole time turned into a year where my daughter was bedridden. She had to be homeschooled in that season. They diagnosed her with chronic, uh, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia. She had panic attacks. And it was very scary because in that time I had had a job too working with people with disabilities and I saw some of the disabilities they had. So I was around that all the time, people who were in wheelchairs. And I was very afraid and I remember panicking. And I said, God, why would you do this? And, and you know, I was in the beginning stages, I was very upset with God. I was like, you know, I can't take anymore. And I was upset with God, but then after a while, you know, I, there's, there's a, you, there comes to a point where all you can do is lean on God. Amen. You can't be angry anymore. You can't be stressed anymore. The only place you can run to is God because he's your only hope. The doctors can't help. So I ran to God and I began just delighting myself in God again. That's a key thing. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Make him your delight. The more you focus on him, the less your problems will be. Make him your delight. It'll get you through the storm. Delighting in God will carry you through that storm. And I began to delight myself in the Lord. And, and I'm just going to close out now. I delighted myself in the Lord. And after about a year, I realized, uh, Julie and I, we looked at each other. And I realized one day she was walking. And I don't know how it happened. It must have been such a gradual process it happened so gradual that one day we woke up and realized she was healed completely. Well, it was a few years after that. She went through Bible college. She got married. She had children. She told me, you know, Mom, I look back at that time, that year, and while you were panicking and everything, she said, I really got to know God. And if I wouldn't have had that year in bed on my back, I would have gotten messed up because the kids were really pulling at me. There was a lot of peer pressure. And I would have probably got messed up into drugs and alcohol and all kinds of things. But she said, while you were panicking, you didn't know that God had me right at home. He was protecting me. And he protected me from getting all messed up, right under your care. So whatever you're going through, again, God has an expiry date. He makes all things work together for our good. And I just want to encourage you, don't give up in the middle of your battles. Delight yourself in the Lord, and I promise you, you'll come out on the other side, and you'll have a story to tell that will encourage someone else, and you will be made of pure gold. And I just want us to stand today. I have a, a, a refined woman's declaration prayer we're going to all say together. I want you to repeat after me. <coughs> Heavenly, Father, Heavenly Father, I won't run from my challenges anymore. Challenges indicate that I'm fortunate and precious. I'm a precious metal. I'm a precious metal. Whenever, I face challenges, Whenever I face challenges, I will rejoice that it's another time to prove you. It's another opportunity for me to be perfected and promoted. It's another opportunity for me to grow. To become refined and more beautiful. 
It's another opportunity for me to learn patience and deepen my trust in you. It's another opportunity for me to more effectively impact the lives of others. Father, I submit myself to you for the removal of all impurities in my life. As I study your word and pray, let those impurities be exposed and be consumed by your fire. Cause me to come forth as pure gold, purified, refreshed, and be a reflection of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.